1: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
2: When we come into worship the Lord, we never go out the same way we came in. We're changed. God changes us. We are always affected when we come into the presence of the Lord. We're always changed when we come into worship. And we leave different from how we came in. We leave built up edified, encouraged, convicted, challenged, equipped, refreshed, strengthened by the Lord.
1: Isn't it great to know that you were changed after being with Jesus? When you take the time to be with God, you give Him the opportunity to support you, to build you up, to convict you. Today Pastor Dan encourages you to make time to worship God as a daily activity. He references that in Hebrews. We need to get with other Christians. He also describes a certain order in which people enter and exit the temple. Somewhere in that temple of spending time with Jesus, there is a change that occurs. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of Zechariah, chapter 46, for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: God's faithfulness to his people. That he hasn't hasn't forsaken them. Again, for the Jewish people in Bible times, that new moon appears right after. There's no moon visible. There's no moon visible. Has God's faithfulness to us ceased? And then suddenly, the new moon appears. God hasn't forsaken us. And so what do they do? They celebrate They celebrate God has not forsaken us. God is faithful to us. God hasn't abandoned us. They celebrate the new moon because it means God continues his faithfulness to them. And it's every month. Every month they were reminded of God's faithfulness. Every month they'd have a celebration and a feast and take the day off from work just to celebrate God's faithfulness. To them, his continued faithfulness. In the kingdom age, we will celebrate the new moon. God's faithfulness, God's unwavering commitment to us. We'll celebrate the fact that there's no shadow of turning with God. He doesn't change his mind about us. He still loves us. He's still committed to us. And we see that moon and we see that moon and it reminds us of that. So every month they'd have this party celebrating God's faithfulness. Isn't that something? I, I'm just so struck by that. And here we are, I can't even tell you what phase of the moon is there is tonight. But every, every month they watched for that new moon to appear so they could celebrate God's faithfulness. Notice in verse 2, back in Ezekiel 46, verse 2, The prince shall enter by way of the vestibule of the gate from the outside and stand by the gatepost. The priest shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offerings. He shall worship at the threshold of the gate and he shall go out, but the gate shall not be shut until evening. And we've talked about this prince that's mentioned here. I think he's mentioned uh, 14 times in these few chapters here. And we mentioned that it's believed that this is King David resurrected during the Kingdom Age because of a previous verse that says the prince is King David. And so King David here is serving, you know, as a leader in Jerusalem under the kingship of Jesus Christ during the Kingdom Age. And the prince brings an offering to the temple. And this is an offering he's making on behalf of the nation. On the Sabbath days and on the day of the new moon. It's a burnt offering and a peace offering. Remember, a burnt offering speaks of total consecration to God. All of the animals put on the altar and consumed by the fire. Nothing is kept back. It speaks of giving all of yourself to the Lord. The peace offering celebrates the peace we have with God. The fellowship we have with God. And Jesus is our peace, the New Testament says. We have peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. So this prince, who it's believed is David, some think it's Jesus, others think it may be a descendant of David, but I personally believe it's David himself, King David, having this oversight role in Jerusalem during the Kingdom Age under Christ, He brings an offering on the Sabbath and on the new moon. Verse 3 again. Likewise, the people of the land shall worship at the entrance to this gateway before the Lord on the Sabbath and the new moons. The burnt offering that the prince offers to the Lord on the Sabbath day shall be six lambs without blemish and a ram without blemish. Blemish. Again, all of these offerings point to Jesus Christ. He was without spot and without blemish in his character and in his doctrine. He's the perfect sinless sacrifice for our sins. Verse 5, and the grain offering shall be one ephah for a ram and the grain offering for the lambs as much as he wants to give. The grain offering speaks of God's provision as well as a hen of oil with every ephah. Oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. So you have the grain offering mixed with oil here. Verse 6 says, On the day of the new moon it shall be a young bull without blemish that he offers. Six lambs and a ram, they shall be without blemish. He shall prepare a grain offering of an ephah for a bull and an ephah for a ram. As much as he wants to give for the lambs and a hen of oil, With every ephah. Verse 8 says, when the prince enters, he shall go in by way of the vestibule of the gateway and go out the same way. So the prince is bringing a national sacrifice on behalf of the people. Every Sabbath day, every new moon. So every week and once a month, he's also bringing a sacrifice on behalf of the people. Verse 9, now watch verse 9. But when the people of the land come before the Lord on the appointed feast days, whoever enters by way of the north gate to worship shall go out by way of the south gate. And whoever enters by way of the south gate shall go out by way of the north gate. He shall not return by way of the gate through which he came but shall go out through the opposite gate okay so you've got the four you've got three gates on the outer edge of the temple there we're told back in chapter 44 that the eastern gate will be shut after the lord himself enters the temple because The Lord will not depart from the temple. After he enters this temple, he's going to stay in the temple. So after he comes in that eastern gate, they're going to shut that gate. So that gate is permanently shut. There's no gate on the west side of the temple. There's no gate on the west side. So access to the temple was only through the north gate or the south gate. And we're told in these verses that those who enter by the north gate must exit by the south gate and those who enter by the south gate must exit by the north gate. You shall not go out the same way you came in. Now most commentators say that this is simply for traffic flow in and out of the temple. and That God is a God of order and worship should be done in an orderly way. And that's true. God is a God of order and He does want worship to be conducted in an orderly way. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40 says, let all things be done decently and in order. So that's true. But I don't believe that this is for traffic flow. I mean, if you think about it, if it were for traffic flow, it would instruct all the people to enter by one gate and exit out the opposite gate. In this case, you have people entering and exiting the temple by both the northern and southern gates. So it doesn't seem really to be to control the flow of traffic. I believe that God has them enter by one gate and exit a different way because when we come into worship the Lord, we never go out the same way we came in, we're changed. God changes us. We are always affected when we come into the presence of the Lord. We're always changed when we come into worship. And we leave different from how we came in. We leave built up, edified, encouraged, convicted, challenged, equipped, refreshed, strengthened by the Lord. We come into worship one way and we go out another way. Changed, changed by being in the presence of God, changed by worshiping the Lord, changed by singing to the Lord, changed by the word of God, changed by being with the people of God. That's why the book of Hebrews says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews says, don't forsake assembling with other believers. Gathering together with other believers. Don't forsake it. Don't neglect it. Especially, Hebrews says, as we see the day of his return Drawing near. The day approaching. We shouldn't forsake assembling together. We, we need to be assembled together. We need it. Especially as we see the day approaching. And I know you've experienced it. I've experienced it. Where you come in one way and you leave worship different. Or maybe you come in to church and you're tired and you've had a hard day and your flesh just is telling you just, just stay home. you know, Just sleep in. Just watch it online. And you drag yourself out of bed or you deal with the traffic and everything and you come into the house of the Lord and you see God's people and you're encouraged by the fellowship and the worship and the Word of God refreshes you and you leave and you're glad you went.
1: We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation
2: to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com.
1: Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message.
2: You're just glad you went or a home Bible study or a men's Bible study or a women's Bible study. And your flesh is just is telling you, just skip, just skip, don't go tonight or don't go today. And and you do it anyways, and you're glad you went. Because it refreshes you, you leave different. And so in the temple, literally, you were to leave a different way, you were to go out a different way than how you came into the temple. In verse 10, look at verse 10. It says, the prince shall be in their midst when they go in. He shall go in. And when they go out, he shall go out. So this prince, who I believe is King David, right? He'll be in the midst of the congregation that gathers in the temple during the kingdom age for the Sabbath day and the new moon and the different feasts as a leader He is a leader who's not separate from his people. He's a leader who's not some kind of like elitist ruling class politician. Right? Who lives by a different set of rules than the people. As we often see today. He'll be part of the crowd. He's worshiping the Lord with everybody else. He's truly a leader among the people. Again, I believe it's King David. And if it is King David, I'm reminded of when David was king over Israel and he brought the ark back up to Jerusalem. Remember that story in 2 Samuel chapter 6, as they brought the ark up to Jerusalem, it says that King David was in the midst of the crowd, and it says he's wearing a linen ephod he has stripped down to his undershirt, and it says that he is dancing with all of his might before the Lord. And it says he was leaping and whirling around before the Lord and shouting with joy and blowing a shofar. The king, the king of Israel. Israel. He's on his undershirt, his t-shirt, and he's dancing with all of his might, just a dancing machine there, and he's twirling around, and he's shouting for joy, and he's blowing on this horn with all of the people there. And you remember his his wife looks out the window of the palace and sees David and what he's doing. And it says that his wife despised David because he looked so foolish, being the king, dancing around in his t shirt, blowing a horn, looking like a fool in front of all the people. And when he came home, it says that his wife said to David, you know, basically like, Well, weren't you something out there, King of Israel? Dancing with all your might in front of the people. like those. She's embarrassed. Remember what David said? He said to his wife, Oh, I can be much more undignified than this. I can even look foolish in my own eyes, is what he said to her. You haven't seen anything. You think I look foolish now. Wait to see how I'm going to dance before the Lord. David didn't care how foolish he looked. He was dancing for the Lord. He wasn't dancing for the people. And here in the kingdom age, this prince who is David, he's going to be in the midst of the congregation gathered there in the temple, just in the crowd with everyone else. Maybe you'll end up standing next to David and the king, these David, King David right there, twirling around next to you, dancing his head off. I also see a picture of Jesus Christ in this. The fact that this prince is in the midst of all the people because Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst of them. Jesus likes to be in the midst of his people. He likes to be in the midst of his people. In Revelation, we see Jesus walking in the midst of the churches. He's just walking around in the midst of the churches. Inhabiting the praises of his people, the Bible says. And so this prince is there and he's in the midst of the crowd as they go into the temple and as they go out, he's just in the mix. Verse 11 says, at the festivals and the appointed feast days, the grain offering shall be an ephah for a bull, an ephah for a ram, as much as he wants to give for the lambs and a hen of oil with every ephah. Now, when the prince makes a voluntary burnt offering, so it's not required, or a voluntary peace offering to the Lord. The gate that faces toward the east shall then be opened for him, and he shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offerings as he did on the Sabbath day. Then he shall go out, and after he goes out, the gate shall be shut. You shall, look, daily make a burnt offering to the Lord of a lamb of the first year without blemish. You shall prepare it every morning And you shall prepare a grain offering with it every morning. A sixth of an ephah and a third of a hen of oil to moisten the fine flour. This grain offering is a perpetual ordinance to be made regularly to the Lord. Thus, they shall prepare the lamb, the grain offering and the oil as a regular burnt offering every morning. So the prince will make an offering for the new moon once a month. He'll make offerings on the Sabbath day once a week. And here we see he also will make a voluntary burnt offering daily. Worship isn't a once a month thing. It's not a once a week thing. Worship is a daily thing. It's a daily thing. We daily make a burnt offering to the Lord. That is every day we consecrate our lives To Jesus Christ. Daily we deny ourselves. And take up our cross. As the Apostle Paul says. I die daily. Every day. We make ourselves a living sacrifice to the Lord. Every day. And notice in verse 13. The daily burnt offering was prepared. Every morning. That's a good time of day. To consecrate yourself to the Lord. Every morning, start your day with Jesus Christ. Start your day by surrendering yourself afresh to Jesus. Start your day by taking up your cross. Begin your day that way. Verse 16, thus says the Lord God, if the prince gives a gift of some of his inheritance, some of his land, remember we talked about his land, I think, last week, to any of his sons... It shall belong to his sons. It is their possession. By. Inheritance. Now this is one reason why this prince cannot be Jesus Christ. As some say that it is because Jesus didn't have any children. This prince has sons. We saw in a previous chapter that the prince makes sin offerings for himself. Jesus was sinless. He was without sin. This Prince that's mentioned here. Again, I believe it's David. During the kingdom age, he may give some of his land that he's given to his sons as an inheritance. And then verse 17: but if he gives a gift of some of his inheritance to one of his servants, it shall be his, his servants, until the year of liberty, after which it shall return to the prince but his inheritance shall belong to his sons. It shall become theirs. So if this prince gives some of his land to his servants as a gift, the land will return back to the prince in the year of liberty, or what is also called the year of jubilee. So the year of jubilee will be celebrated in the kingdom age. Remember, the kingdom age lasts for a thousand years. And so in the kingdom age, they'll celebrate The year of Jubilee. You know, some of the worship songs in recent years mentions the year of Jubilee. uh, And maybe you're not familiar with what you're singing about (laughs) in that song. The year of Jubilee is described in Leviticus chapter 25, if you're taking notes. And as far as we know, the year of Jubilee was never observed by the Jewish people in Bible times, which really speaks of the hardness of their hearts that they were not willing to observe the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee was supposed to be celebrated by the Jewish people every 50th year. And in the year of Jubilee, everyone's debt was canceled. All slaves were set free. And all land and property returned back to their original owner. Again, it's described in Leviticus 25. That's also why it's called the year of liberty. Because you're set free from your debt. If you're a slave, you're set free. Any property that you've had to sell or that you've lost in some way because of hard times or mismanaging your money, all of that comes back to you, comes back to your family. It was a way of giving everyone a fresh start.
3: He asked me how I am than the finest
1: crystal. You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan as he teaches verse-by-verse verse through the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet of God, and though he was faced with the difficult job of speaking hard truths, he also spoke of great hope. Even though the Israelites were constantly disobeying God, God was still faithful to them and offered a way of restoration. This is what Ezekiel so boldly proclaimed, and this is what God also offers to you. If you'd like to learn more about Ring of Truth, we encourage you to visit our website at calvaryec.com. You'll also find information about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. We have a heart for spreading the gospel message to all we come in contact with, and all are welcome to come and worship with us at our location in Columbia, Maryland. If you're ever in the area on a Sunday morning, we'd love for you to join us for a time of worship and Bible study. We'll study God's Word together and strengthen each other through prayer and fellowship. Come by and meet Pastor Dan and all of us here at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. For service times and location information, visit calvaryec.com or give us a call at 410-491-4592. Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. That's all we have time for today, but be sure to join Pastor Dan as he shares more from the book of Ezekiel on the next edition of Ring of Truth.
3: I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice and it only takes me